Hi, so I'm Lou Anne Panese, and we're going to continue uh, with our series. So the question I ask people always is this. Where are you putting your energy and your attention? Where are you putting your energy and your attention? As you know by now, 99% of your life is going on in your head. And that means, for most of us, we want to have this sense of security. Many of us will leave here, or when this COVID thing is over, we're going to want to go back to what's familiar and predictable. Because that gives us an illusion of control. And it is, in fact, an illusion. Because we are at a time in history that we are all experiencing right now, where all the tipping points are tipping together. We'll never be like we were. So are you going to be a victim of your circumstances? Or are you going to see this experience as a magnificent opportunity to grow and change? Change is inevitable. Growing is an option. It's just like in life, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. But most of us have been conditioned to really get into our pain, to really wallow in our victimhood. And to protect our little egos, we have to blame everybody. We just assume that some people just behave as if people are out to get them, and I'm a victim. And they're angry. <clears throat> and that just justifies their anger. So you see people, and when you leave here and when you go back home, you're going to be surrounded by people who have been in isolation or in quarantine. People are angry. They're frustrated. They're not generating revenue. And there's going to be an atmosphere of tension, distrust, anger, and you have a choice. You're either going to become a part of it or not. We spoke before about the art of detached involvement. Detached involvement means you stay involved in the moment, but you stay detached from taking on other people's stuff as well as things that are going beyond outside of you. If there's one thing we've hoped that has happened during this time is that all of you have learned the importance of being within. We eat in silence. We power walk in silence. We spend a lot of time in silence with our journaling and our meditation. We have a, a beautiful butterfly hut here and uh, people will sit in there and just breathe and relax and the butterfly will come and land right on you. So we've learned how connected we are to nature. And I've witnessed people coming from places of uh, anger, distrust, and victimhood to places of empowerment, of self-realization, but most important is their ability to get vulnerable and your strength is in your vulnerability. So the more vulnerable you allow yourself to be, the easier it is for you to create change without having to worry that someone might criticize me, I might fail, what if they don't like me? That becomes irrelevant. It's all about what do I need to do to make me the best person I can be. And I encourage people, draw from the outside world what will help you be the best you can be. And push away anything else that isn't serving you to help you to be on the highest level you can function from. So what I've done, and I'm going to be sending these handouts over to those of you at home, I gave you the 12 warning signs of perfect health. 
The first one is a persistent presence of a support network. One of the things we have created here is a support network. We have Elaine helping, to, helping people who have had twisted ankles and you know, cricks in their neck and things like that. We have John who's been helping people with their exercise and really encouraging them to go forward. <clears throat> We've had Susan who has also been here to be my eyes and ears. She's a constant support looking out for everybody. How's everything going? You know, I have an amazing staff and this go around, you know, John C has been, uh, he's just been a, a huge support, not only for me, but for everybody else out there, he's helping to coordinate a lot of the activities and the travel and the, you know, what food to get and things like that. So we have given you an example of a persistent presence of a support network. That's where we've got to be in the future. We need to have a support network all around us. That's going to be a challenge for many of us. Some of us, not so much. Next is chronic positive expectations and a tendency to frame events in a constructive light. <laughs> That's what this is about. One of the things that I mentioned in one of my other lectures was the fact that whatever you want, you've got to be clear with what it is that you want. Write it on paper. Get a picture of it if you can get a graphic. And then you write it as if it's already happened. And when it happens, you must take full responsibility. Once that order is placed, it's like going to a restaurant. You don't just say, I'd like some food. No. <clears throat> you say, this is what I'd like. And you're very, very specific. You don't just say, I, I want beans and rice. No, you want to say, I want Shelly's saffron rice with some portobello mushrooms. <laughs> you become very specific with what it is that you want. Now, in the atmosphere that many of us are going home to, you're not going to believe that that's true because everybody else around you is in a state of angst, anxiety, anger, frustration, loneliness, and so on. You've got to create the world that you want for yourself. So if you're going to adapt down to what's going on around you, or you want to consider relocating and going someplace that may be a little safer with a support network, that's where you put your energy. I'll keep asking you, where are you putting your energy? It's very easy to fall backwards which is why we have you here for eight weeks, because it's that easy to fall backwards. I was here for one week of Gary's retreat when I was in Tioga, and I was ready to go home, and all I was dreaming about was going to the airport and getting a cup of coffee. <laughs> I had just gotten off of having 13 cups a day and spent a week having no caffeine. <laughs> so. I was just through my withdrawal, and it was very bad. And Gary noticed I wasn't at his lectures, and he sent people to my room with NAC and alpha-lipoic acid and quercetin and magnesium citrate to help me with the incredible headaches I was having. And it was Gary who said to me before I got on the bus, you've been in your room most of the time. You haven't learned anything. I said, oh, I learned one thing. I want to get to the airport. <laughs> and he invited me to stay for the second week. This is what Gary does. He gives you a challenge. He gives you an opportunity. And then he walks backwards. He pulls back. And he sees who's going to jump on the opportunity and who is going to pull back and shrink back where it's predictable, familiar, to give yourself the illusion of control. I stayed the second week, and that made all the difference. Because in that second week, I watched DVDs, not Gary's, but other people's DVDs that I learned from. I started taking notes, and we all discussed them as a group. And we still did our power walking. We still did our meditation every day. We still did our journaling. 
and it was an incredibly powerful week for me. And then when I went home and I walked into the hospital, of course they had my Maxwell house waiting for me. <laughs> it's very easy to go backwards. But thankfully, by then I was at a point <clears throat> where I was determined to say, all right, what do I have to do here? So I learned about Ticino, which is an herbal coffee, and uh, I learned about green tea, and I learned about healthy ways to maintain my energy other than having caffeine, which was obviously killing me. And then I began my journey of detoxification. Biooxidative therapy, IV vitamin C, glutathione. Uh, you know, I was learning, learning, learning. So it was very soon after that that I ended up leaving the hospital. Yeah. In fact, what really got me to leave was the fact that um, the New York City Marathon takes place usually between November 1st and November 5th, some whatever that weekend is, that first weekend in November. <clears throat> the last retreat ended in, um, I believe it was the end of August, beginning of September. And I get a phone call the Saturday before the marathon. The marathon is on Sunday. And I get a call, you know, quarter to seven in the morning. I'm just getting ready to get in my car and sit in the traffic and go to the hospital and go to work. And I answer the phone. I go, hello, and I hear, hi. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. He says, it's Gary Knoll. And I said, I know. <laughs> and he says, are you doing the marathon on Sunday? And I said, no. He says, why not? I said, well, let's see. I didn't sign up for it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't train for it. Sunday's my only day to sleep in. And I'm thinking those are four out of four good reasons to not do the marathon. And he said, well, now I'll tell you why you should do the New York City Marathon. He said, because in your little snit the second week, because you didn't have coffee, you walked around the periphery of my property four times one day. And the periphery of my property is five miles around. <laughs> I had my Walkman. I had my Sony Walkman. <laughs> I still have it. I still use it. And I had my music. And I just, I wanted nothing to do with anybody. I was angry that there was no coffee. That's all. <laughs> well, he says, you should do it because you can. If you went around my property four times in an angry snit, he says, it's only six more miles, and that's 26.3 miles as a marathon. You can do it. Do it because you can. He says, come and meet us on the Upper West Side at, you know, at 6 a.m. On, on Sunday. There's always someone that has a cold, has to sell his number, and you should be there. And I'm like, what? Yeah. He says, wear a fanny pack, wear layers, clothes that you can just throw away and not, I'm like, what? Do it because you can. So I didn't tell anybody I was gonna do it. God forbid, I didn't tell anyone. Not my family, not my friends, nobody. And son of a gun, I got on the Long Island Railroad at four o'clock in the morning and I got myself into New York City at 6 a.m. and there was a bus with all the people in the running club, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I would, didn't wear enough layers, it was icy cold. And we all end up, we go to Staten Island, right? And uh, there's Gary with all the running club. See, again, he gave me an opportunity. I could have said, screw that, I'm sleeping in. And I'm gonna make myself a pot of coffee. <laughs> the thought crossed my mind but I showed up. Now it was a risk. And Gary brought me up in front of the group of, there must have been like 80, 90 people in his running club. He said, this is Luann, and she's gonna do the marathon with no training. <laughs> and all these people were going, because <laughs> they had been training since April. 
And um, now I'm thinking, this was a bad idea. <laughs> it was a bad idea, and I can't go. I can't go anywhere now. I'm stuck. Once they shut the gates, you got to just find your balloon. You got to find <laughs> balloon colors to get in your right group or something. Oh my God! So I just said, look, I'm going to do this. So I got out there, and uh, we're all standing there, freezing to death. And then the gun goes off. And I just figured, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to follow everybody. So we're walking, 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 walking. And the, you know, we go over the Verrazano Bridge. And all these people went to the side of the bridge. So I went to the side of the bridge. It was all guys peeing off the side of the bridge. And I'm like, mm, not for me. Yeah, I've seen far more genitalia than I care to discuss. Not going there. I didn't realize that's it's guys, and I'm like, Ugh. so I, I kept going, and uh, I remember Dolores Perry, who was a nutritionist over at the Tri-State Healing Center. She kind of was keeping an eye out for me. She kind of kept pulling back and staying with me, and we all were running in a in a line, a bunch of us, and I didn't understand. But when you have a whole bunch of people running in a line together, the energy transfers back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just feeling, I've got all this energy. This is amazing. Where am I getting this? I, was, I got up at 2.30 in the morning. To get, and I'm like, this doesn't feel too bad at all. It was absolutely amazing. Well, as the marathon went on, we got to the half marathon mark, and there's a bus. There's a bus. And the left side of my brain was saying, get on the bus. Get on the bus. No one will know. And the right side of my brain, I hear Gary saying, do it because you can. Uh, I kept going. And you know, there's a t there comes a time in the marathon where I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it. But Gary had, every five miles, Gary had volunteers giving you green juices. And then after the 20 mile mark, it's watermelon juice, watermelon juice, lots and lots of watermelon juice. And the next thing I know, it's dark. It took me over seven hours. Fine. It's my first marathon, no training, just saying. And I, all of a sudden, I see, I see the end point. And I just, I didn't know where, where any of this, I didn't know my legs were attached anymore. I just ran the, as fast as I could. And when I got there, and they put the medal over my head, Something happened. I realized that I could do anything. Even though I don't have the training, I had the support. I had the support. I had some, he believed more in me than I believed in me. And sometimes you need someone else to believe you can do something before you actually have the guts to do it. I did get a ticket on my car. I was parked illegally. But you know what? It's OK. Because after the marathon, Gary had massage therapists there. He, he, had, um, he had hot soup for everybody and hot tea at the Tri-State Healing Center. It was absolutely amazing to have that kind of support. And the next day when I went into work, I just thought to myself, I don't, I can't, I don't need to be here anymore. I'm on a whole new, in a whole new place. But I had to take that risk. So what risk are you all willing to take? And you at home, what risks are you willing to take? Because we're going to offer you challenges, and you're either going to step up or not. You can shrink back or not. And the ones that step forward and take the risk, your lives will never be the same. And listen, I've taken risks that didn't work out. It doesn't mean I'm a failure. It means I didn't have, I had the right, right place. I had the right idea. I was the right person. I had the right support. It was the wrong time. Right? I opened up a wellness center. After Gary closed the Tri-State Healing Center, I said, well, heck, I want to open up my own healing center and continue his legacy at the center. So that's what I did. I was a nurse administrator. I could do this. So after I left my job, I started putting together the Tri-State Healing Center. Well, this was you know, down the road. And uh, I opened it up in um, it was April of 2001. So, so successful. Oh my god. We were giving people ozone and vitamin C and chelation and 
glutathione, and they, we had uh, Dr. Elner there doing hypnotherapy. We had acupuncture. We had a physician. It was great. And then September 11th happened. So it was the right idea, but the wrong time. So after September 11th, nobody came into the city for about four or five months. So I ended up selling the, the center, Metropolitan Wellness, to uh, Rick Lynchitz out on Long Island. He moved the whole operation out to Long Island, and I went on to the new chapter. So it doesn't mean I was a failure. It just means that good information didn't work out. Again, life is good information or it's free live entertainment. I got a carnival boatload of good information. It's like, whoa, so much for that idea. And you try something else. And that's when I started developing my work in public speaking. I started doing individual consulting. And then I started doing a lot of work with Gary and his, uh, his healing uh, seminars, his support groups. And then by 2010, I started coordinating all the facets of the retreats. Very rewarding, amazing, amazing opportunity. Again, opportunities will be placed in front of you. You're going to shrink back to where it's comfortable and predictable, giving you an illusion of control, or are you gonna step out and take a risk and try and do something else that's gonna make you a better person? So how about that? Episodic peak experiences. Create them, enjoy them. A sense of spiritual involvement. We've been doing that all the whole eight weeks we were here. There's just something amazing about sitting down in the butterfly hut and having a butterfly land on you. Of course, we had a lot of butterflies that were, um, what's the word? Mating. mating. <laughs> they were mating. And we call it butterfly porn. And everyone was in there filming butterfly porn. But the good news is, is that we now have over 300 monarch butterfly caterpillars. Over 300. So when I tell you that the, everything we do is deliberate, the idea is we want to continue the legacy of the monarch butterfly, which is now considered extinct in the United States because of all of the things like 5G, things like pollution, you know, the, the ridiculousness of uh, these you know, wind turbines killing all of our birds. We're, there are so many birds, insects, animals that are becoming extinct because of our greed and industrialization and the absolute, we're just ignoring the needs of the planet. We just think that we own the place. No, we are one strand in this web. And you break a strand or you try and overtake other strands, you're going to destroy the entire web. And we're on the downturn right now. All of the tipping points Gary's spoken about are all happening simultaneously. So it's time for everyone to wake up. Increased sensitivity. When I say sensitivity, I mean you become more in tune to your environment. You become more intuitive instead of reactive. Does that make sense? The more you, time you spend in nature, the more time you spend with animals, uh, with the birds, even the peacocks. <laughs> the whole time I've had peacocks attacking my car. They see their reflection in the car and they think it's another peacock in their territory and they attack it until they bleed or until they get all the paint off my car. So. Good information and free live entertainment. I went and I got a car cover. Cover the car. They don't attack my car anymore. This is what it's about. <laughs> so yes, you become very intuitive and you become very sensitive to what's going on around you, the people around you, the critters, the animals, the birds, the plants, the trees. You know, when we very rarely have had trees come down on this property in the past. And when they did, our last groundskeeper, Cruz, uh, amazing, amazing human being. Um, before he cut the tree up, we would do a little ceremony, thanking the tree and saying, this is your time, you're gonna be repurposed, and we thank you. And then they cut it up and off it goes. You know, some people would say that's corny. Some people would go, the tree is a living being. These trees have been around hundreds of years. 
And because our climate is becoming so severe, we've had more trees come down in the last eight weeks than I think in the history of the property. So a moment to take a pause and say what's happening. So anything we do, we do with sensitivity. Rapid response and recovery of the adrenal system due to repeated challenges. You notice how it doesn't say stress. Repeated challenges. That's going to be all your middle names from here on in. All right? Gary, repeated challenges, no. <laughs> I mean, look how Gary deals with challenges. He goes head on, and he don't stop. He's ruthless until he gets to end point. And end point is paradigm shift. Well, the paradigm shift is starting to happen. And I'm hoping each person in this room and each person at home is beginning to understand the importance of being able to shift their own internal paradigms, their own belief systems, so that they can live on a much higher level than they've ever lived. So your adrenals, vitamin C is the most important thing to put into your body for your adrenals. The, the, the grand majority, 80% of your vitamin C is right there in your adrenals, and it's helping with all of your epinephrine and norepinephrine and adrenaline, right? And another whole chunk of vitamin C is in the aqueous humor of the eye. So when Gary says take vitamin C throughout the day, he's not kidding. Keep putting it in your body. I've had people who think that 500 milligrams of vitamin C, you know, that's... 1,000% of the recommended daily allowance. That's nothing. Baseline, we should be taking 6,000 milligrams a day. And when you have other challenges, environmental challenges, 5G challenges, you want to ramp that way up. And if you get a fat-soluble vitamin C, like ascorbyl palmitate, uh, the ascorbyl palmitate vitamin C, you can take in much higher doses and not have the GI upset that ascorbic acid will give you. Okay, very different formulas. You're still getting your vitamin C, but you're not irritating the, the GI tract. So um, you want to make sure. There are lots of adrenal complexes also. I encourage people, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're going to be going to a, an environment that's going to be high stress, look online, take any kind of adrenal complex. I like uh, Seeking Health is one brand that I've been using. It's just a basic adrenal complex with B vitamins and things to support the adrenals. Lots of vitamin C and quercetin. It's just good to have a supplement like that. And for those people who, who tell you, well, you shouldn't have to take supplements. That's just a ripoff and you have expensive urine and um, you should get all of your nutrients from your food. Well, that's nice if you live in the Himalayas where there's no 5G, there's no pollution, and there's no negative people, there's no political garbage. That's nice, but that, we're in an industrialized society. So, so long as we're surrounded by industry, we need supplements because our body can't create enough of the supplementation that it needs. And our bodies, obviously, we know by now, doesn't create vitamin C. So you got to keep hitting your body with vitamin C all throughout the day. Get yourself your supplements. Our supplements are designed to help you get yourself to a much higher level of functioning other than just having food. How about this? The tendency to adapt to changing conditions. That's what we're doing, folks. Let's see how you all adapt to our changing conditions. An increased appetite for physical activity. Well, John Q's a glutton then. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, when I first started working out, uh, exercise was a drain for me. It's like, oh God, how soon before I can go take a nap? <laughs> when I was training for the world meet with Gary, after, you know, he, we do these negative split challenges on his quarter mile track in Florida, and then he'd go in the opposite direction and, and then he'd go, okay, now we go on the VersaClimber. I said, no, no, I'm going to go take a nap. He goes, no, go on the VersaClimber. Here's some watermelon. I'm like, I want to take a nap. Where, where was I putting my energy? <laughs> on napping. 
No, but um, yeah, so I pushed through, I pushed through, I pushed through, like many of you have in the gym. Obviously, based on the results we saw today already, people have been pushing themselves. It's about creating the challenge for yourself. It's not about just being comfortable. We all just want to be comfortable. We don't want any challenges. We just want to be comfortable. But that's not how you grow. You grow when you create challenges for yourself. Instead of waiting for change to be imposed on you, you create what you need to create for yourself. So keep working out. The tendency to identify and communicate feelings. Remember, we did the desk script. When you blank, I feel blank. I can appreciate the fact that nah. what I'd like to suggest is this way, I won't be feeling mm. Otherwise, our relationship is going to deteriorate. When you practice that over and over and over again, you're identifying and communicating your feelings without being a victim of them. I spoke to a woman the other day who's an artist in New York City, and her husband is in Florida taking care of his dying father, and she can't travel. She's, she's in Brooklyn. And um, she says, I'm being overcome with feelings. I'm, I'm just becoming so overcome with feelings of, of loneliness. And I said, um, Joni, I said, you're not your feelings, you know. You are not your feelings. Your feelings are just something that you're creating based on the situation you're in. Don't lose your identity to what you're feeling. And this was like a profound realization for her. I said, if you're lonely, get on the internet. You can do Skype with people, have conversations with people. You can do that. It's like, man, I would like to have two days being alone. <laughs> I would like that. Give me a couple of days. I haven't had that opportunity. However, when, you're, when you are alone, I mean, when you really love yourself, you can have a good time. Oh man, there's so much, so many things that I, I would like to do if I was home by myself. Of course, you know, I mean, I have birds, I have chickens, I have a dachshund, I have a lot of things to keep me busy. But the idea is, you're only going to be lonely if you don't really, if you're not happy with yourself and you can't create ways to, to have fun. There's lots of ways to have fun when you're by yourself. How about this? Repeated episodes of gratitude, generosity, and related emotions. Haha. <laughs> yeah. It's important to have that. You know, in the, in the past couple of weeks, I've had um, four chefs here. Uh, one of them, of course, we're very blessed having Ga Gary's daughter, Shelly, here. Oh, is she amazing. What a, what a chef. What a cook. Oh, my God. And we've had three other chefs that have passed through. One of them, um, in the middle of the COVID, decides he's going to go home over the weekend. Really? And he says, oh, I'll just be with my mom and dad, and I'm coming right back, and I'll be in my car, and I'll have my mask. And I go, okay, good. So he went, and then he came back. He left Friday night, came back Sunday night, very late. And, uh, and Gary saw him the next day and, and said, so how was your weekend? He goes, oh, I spent the whole weekend with my girlfriend. We traveled around. And I said, well, what does she do? Oh, she's a housekeeper. She, she's, does, she works with you know, three houses a day that she cleans. Now, there's about 10 red flags that just went up there. First, he lied. Second, he broke quarantine. So we all had to go back in quarantine. And he ran the risk of bringing that virus into our kitchen. That's insensitive. That is gross insensitivity. So he was only thinking about himself and what he wanted to do and wasn't considering anybody else on the property, much less their health. So basically, Gary said, time for you to go home. Well, if you saw the state he left his room in, you would have vomited. I mean, he purposely left the room a mess. For what purpose? I don't know. To teach us a lesson? I don't know. But there's one energy right there. The next two chefs that came in the weeks after that, phenomenal opportunities for them, phenomenal chefs. They, they created some great dishes, beautiful plating, and they sent me these wonderful testimonials back. 
just saying what an amazing group of people were there and he, how much they appreciated utilizing Gary's cookbooks and all of his in insights and information. They, they gave him feedback. He says that it's just, there's no words to describe how lucky I feel to have been a part of this study. You know, these are people that are coming from a place of gratitude. And they were very, very generous with their time and their information with us. Then, of course, the compulsion to contribute to society. That's, remember, we have three levels of love. We have self-love, taking care of ourselves, exercising, diet, journaling, meditation, connecting with nature. And then comes interpersonal love. Look at your inner core of people. Who's your, in your inner circle there? Be careful who's in there because they can sabotage you. They can drag you backwards, right? So you wanna recreate your inner circle and then finally, you wanna go to intrapersonal and that is helping all, all the different causes out there on the planet that need to be addressed. It's very important that we do this. And then, of course, my favorite, a persistent sense of humor. It's a lot of good information out there, a lot. So if five or more of these indicators are present, you may be at risk for full-blown health. Oh, my God. So the next thing is 10 rules for being human. I mentioned this before. You will receive a body. You may like it or hate it. We all have genetic things that we like or hate about our bodies, but it's yours for the entire period this time around. Love and respect your body. You will learn lessons. You are enrolled in a full-time school called life. Each day you'll have the opportunity to learn lessons. You may like the lessons or you may think of them as irrelevant, but they're always lessons. And there are no mistakes, only lessons. All right? A lesson is repeated and told to learn. For people that have the same thing that happened over and over and over and over and over to them, they haven't learned their lesson yet. They haven't gotten what they're supposed to learn from it. When you surrender to your lesson, this superconscious universal energy comes to you in ways that you have never imagined. It's true. That's just how it is. So... Learning does not end. There is no part of life that doesn't contain lessons. If you are alive, there is learning. When you stop learning, you're dead. There is no better than here. When you're there becomes here, you simply find another there that will look better than here. Does that make sense? This is so universal. This is amazing, yep. Others are merely mirrors. You do not love or hate something about another person unless it reflects something you love or hate about yourself. That's huge. So when you start to judge people, think about what it is about yourself that you're not liking. Because a lot of the times we see things in people, we, we want to judge them right away, and isn't it funny? Look in the mirror, it might be you who are doing, who's doing the same thing. All right. What you make of your life is up to you. You have all the tools and resources you need. What you do with them is up to you. Your answers lie within. I don't know how many times we can repeat that. The answer to life's questions lie inside you and you only need to look, listen, and trust. You've got to trust that the universe is here to support you. Sometimes if I write down something that I want to happen in my life and it hasn't happened just right away, it means I need to learn some lessons along the way before I'm able to obtain what I want. You know, one of the exercises we did when I was working with a coach was uh, write down uh, what your ideal day might look like. If you had everything you wanted, what would your ideal day look like? And it's not about assigning things to other people. What does your day look like? And one of the things I wrote on my list is I'd like to do consultations in my office and I'd like to have my three parrots with me. It's silly things like that. Just whatever came into your head, you wrote on the paper. And that was back in hmm, about 2002, 2003. 
And in 2016, when I moved down here to Texas, <laughs> I started doing Skype consultations. And there in the office were my three parrots. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me one day, wait a second, the parrots are right here in the room with me. Amazing. So that little bit came true, but only years later. Does this make sense? You've got to surrender. You don't get to say when. Write something down as if it's already happened. Believe you deserve it and take full responsibility when it happens. That's what this is about. And then, of course, you'll forget or remember all of this. The choice is yours. So, And then, of course, I gave everybody... Everybody likes lists, so I'm, I gave you a bunch of lists. You can take this home. Throw away everything that you do not want in your body. When you get home or if you are home, go through your cupboard, go through your refrigerator, and just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Start uncluttering your life. I can't tell you how important this is. I happen to be living with a hoarder. And I have my stuff, which is organized. And his stuff is, I don't, I'm not even going to talk about it. It's, it's a horrible thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. And uh, I feel good about my parts of the house. <laughs> I keep my sights set on that. My, off, my office is organized. My kitchen and dining room are organized. My clothes are organized. If I, if I don't like the way something looks on me, I give it away. I just bring it on to the next person, all right? It's a wonderful thing to keep going to goodwill and, you know, getting rid of stuff. There's all kinds of uh, places you can donate clothing, furniture. Salvation Army will come right to your house and take stuff. feels so good to let stuff go and let someone else enjoy it. Have a moratorium on buying things. Well, that's a, these days it's a given because most people don't have money anymore. As of today, limit all your phone calls to four minutes. I see the people at home. Yeah. Try and limit your phone calls. Yeah, if Gary calls me up, I can tell you it's going to be 30 seconds or less. Because that's how he is. He doesn't waste any time. He's direct. Ba -ba 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 -ba. So limit your phone calls. No more negative calls. If people become negative with you and it doesn't honor you, stop. Just stop. From this day forward, I will only allow people who are honoring me in my life. You don't want to judge people. One of the greatest things about people who are enlightened, living on a higher plane, is they stop having the need to judge people. You can have your opinion about stuff. You know, opinions are like rear ends. We all have them and they all stink. It's just how it is. So have your opinion and move along. So it's a wonderful feeling to know, and if people judge you, it's more about them than it is about you. However, if, the, if someone is passing a judgment about you and there's some credibility to it, it's an opportunity to say, hmm, let me see what I want to do with that. Because feedback is good. Feedback is important. But it doesn't mean that you are what anyone says you are, right? Growing up, we did a lot of that. Boy, kids are animals. We, oh, fah. Where I grew up, we were animals. <laughs> we had this one bully. Um, his name was Brad Ernst. He was just, he was the school bully. And now I'm, I'm a friend of his on Facebook, and he said, I was so afraid when I was a kid, the only thing I knew was to push people around so people wouldn't push me around. And he had parents who were very violently you know, abusive to him. Wow. By the way, he lives down here in Texas. <laughs> yeah, and he met a girl from a past high school reunion. They're married now, happier than ever. Go figure. 
but boy, we were, we were so afraid of him. He would ride around with a, um, a chain on his bicycle and try and hit people with it. Oof. How about that? And he said, I was just afraid of people. Amazing. So there you are. Every night, I am to replan my next day. How many of you write to-do lists? It's a good habit. Gary does. Gary does. He has an ongoing list of everything he's got to put his attention on. And as he gets it done, he crosses it out. And then he moves on to the next list. And every day, he creates a new list. Where do I got to put my energy? Where do I have to focus? What do I have to think about? Of course, he has 10,000 global things on his verses. <laughs> Empty the garbage. <laughs> That's on my list. <laughs> Feed the chickens. Attack Wikipedia. <laughs> Close. Yeah. You know, Gary's world is, is huge. And, uh, and he's got everything in perspective. Uh, more than most, you might say. So you got, I got to have a respect for the guy. Uh, he, he's, he's got the kahunas to go after the people that don't think they're touchable. So they're... Uh, next, start power walking 45 minutes a day nonstop. Oh, you guys could write a book in here. What am I saying? And then take, take vitamins. Take a full-spectrum vitamin. Follow an eating plan. And make a new friend as often as you can. There you have it. And then I also threw in Brian Tracy's Seven Secrets of Successful People. You're going to have it all today. You're going to have everything you need. <laughs> Optimism. In the face of all this crap that's going on, I am still very hopeful that, A, for the first time, people are learning personal hygiene. <laughs> B, they can't blame teachers on how their kids behave anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good things that are going on here. I'm very optimistic about the future. For the first time, people are going to learn to be sustainable. We're understanding that we have cash shortages now. We have water shortages. We, we're going to have fires all over the place. We understand what's happening now. And I'm optimistic that not everyone is going to get it. They're not supposed to. But those of us that do are going to get our forces together and get focused. We know that there's a lot of gangs that are being organized in Dallas County and the surrounding suburbs. Okay, Out here in the, in the rural areas of Texas, people are organizing. They're very tight-knit in their church groups. Right? And they get together and they talk. And they don't want anyone imposing anything on them. I like that. So people are already organizing against gangs. And we have little networks all over the place. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. And they're working along with law enforcement. Out in rural America, law enforcement is not like the inner city, where they beat the crap out of people that don't need to have the crap beaten out of them. You know, they don't do that out here. It's, more, it's truly about community service. It's about keeping their citizens safe. That's really what it is. You know, so the, the biggest thing, the biggest crime is if it's a 40 mile an hour speed zone and you're going 48, they're going to stop and give you a ticket and they got their white cowboy hats on and they think they're John Wayne coming over to your window. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then you have, a, you have a kid that drinks too much and then gets thrown in jail for the night. You don't have a lot of that, the kind of crimes that go on in the inner city out in rural America. Anyway, ambition. Have clear goals and written plans. You want to have confidence. Confidence means that you're going to study and learn whatever you have to learn. We're starting a whole hydroponics thing here. It's going to be an amazing project. And we're starting from what's hydroponics? How do we set this up? What do we use for a medium? How do we get, we got to get the water. How about a greenhouse? What about a hydroponic house? How tall? We need vertical plants or horizontal plants. What are we doing? Do we have the wheel that goes over? There's all different ways to do hydroponics. We are developing competence. And we're going to get good at it. And we're going to try stuff. And we're going to figure it out. Finally, you need some commitment. You got to love what you're doing. 
I love my work. Oh, compared to what I was doing in, in the hospital, in the hospital, I was under a strict set of rules that I had to follow. I had to know the policies backwards and forwards. I had to learn the union contract. I had to make sure that everyone came in on time. And it was, it was patriarchal. It was hierarchical. It was backstabbing. And over 100 women, all in reproductive age. That's all I'm going to say. It was not easy to work in that kind of environment with you know, egocentric physicians, condescending supervisors, board of directors, all they were interested in making money. You gotta get these people out fast so we can get the new admissions in because the new admissions give us more money. It was all about the damn money. And I seethed all those 18 years that I was doing that work. And when I walked away, it was as if something lifted. Then I had to undo all the toxicity that I created in those 18 years between the emotional angst, between the, the physiological toxicity because we just ate the leftovers from the lunch and learns from the pharmaceutical companies that were selling their next drug. And, you know, so it was basically pizza, Chinese food, um, ziti. You know, this is all I ate. And then Maxwell House all day. <laughs> but if you really wanted brownie points with me, Dunkin' Donuts. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's just how it was. And now, oh, my God. I love what I'm doing. I get the privilege of observing amazing people, like the people sitting in this room, transcending their lives. How lucky am I? I get to be a part of that. There's nothing that compares to watching people get healthy. Just nothing. At the retreats, you know, I volunteer for this stuff. And I love it. I still have my speaking, I still have my consulting, and I do, I do well. But wow, to be in your presence for eight weeks and for you, those of you at home who I'm communicating with, it's, it is a sheer pleasure for me to have the opportunity to be here for you and with you. Of course, courage, fear is our greatest enemy. Deb can write a book on that. <laughs> she lived in fear. Every decision was made from fear. Oh, but what if that and what if that? What if I get the COVID virus? I die on the plane. Do they have CPR equipment on the I don't know. I don't think I should go. Maybe I just stay home. Yeah, everything is from angst and fear and oh my God, oh my God. Son of a gun, she got on the damn plane. She called me the hour before she got on the plane. I wasn't even expecting her. Am I, am I right? And not only did she show up, but she showed up and kicked ass, okay? She transcended. Yeah, Gary got in her face a few times. It's okay. She needed to hear what she needed to hear, and she's here, and she's doing great. And then, of course, continuous learning. I never stop learning. You know, Chinese medicine, for me, is the ultimate challenge. They say Tai Chi is the form that can never be perfected. So when you're learning Tai Chi, it's just ongoing learning the form, ongoing. It's learning never stops. It's, oh, stay curious. Stay curious about your world and want to learn more. Wow. You know, I, I knew a woman who was 96 years old, and she decided she wanted to learn the Bible in Russian. What? She wanted to learn the Bible in Russian. And she took courses on how to learn the Bible in Russian. She died at 102. And she, she read the Bible in Russian. <laughs> hey, if that's what excited her and that's what motivated her, so be it. All right? And then take responsibility. No excuses. Have you heard that before in here? No criticism, no complaining, no blaming. You are who you are because of yourself. That includes emotions, health, weight, money, how you respond to others. Keep affirming, I am responsible. I am responsible. Okay? Yeah. So there is a wonderful book that I read called Mutant Message Down Under. Anybody read this book? John, yeah. If you haven't read it at home, get it before you die. It's an amazing book that is loaded, loaded with all kinds of wonderful wisdom. It is a fictional book about a woman 
journalist who travels to Australia, that's the down under, and she wants to learn about the indigenous people of Australia. So in her frame of mind, what she knows about journalism, she brought her camera, she bought her steno book and her pen and a tape recorder, and she went off to meet with the indigenous people. And they invited her to go on what's called a walkabout. And in her mind, again, her perspective of a walkabout is, we're going to walk around a little bit. Six months later, she emerged from the bush. So that's a walkabout. And this book shook me more than any other book I've read because it was so revealing. And the indigenous people, they call themselves the real people. They call us the mutants. And they decided this was going to be a mutant message from down under. They're going to give this woman their wisdom and see what she does with it. She seemed genuinely interested in them. And these are some, this is some of the greatest passages from the book. Early in the history of humankind, people began to encounter new situations. Instead of relying on basic principles, they adopted aggressive emotions and actions to survive. The further away they went, the more their belief system changed. The more their values were altered, and even their exterior evolved into a lighter color in the cooler northern climate. They don't discriminate because of color, because they believe we're all heading back to one matching color. They define mutant as having specific characteristics. They can no longer live in the open environment. Most die never knowing what it feels like to stand naked in the rain. Now, I don't want you to all go out and stand naked in the rain tonight, OK? You're going to scare the donkeys. And Jerry might join you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they spend their times in buildings with artificial heat and cooling and suffer sunstroke in normal temperatures. They no longer have good digestive systems. They have to pulverize, emulsify, process, and preserve food. They eat more unnatural things than natural. The mutants have a core of fear. They threaten their children. They need law enforcement and prisons. Each government security is based on threatening other countries with weapons. According to the tribe, fear is an emotion of the animal kingdom. There it plays an important role for survival. But if humans know that the universe is not a haphazard event, but an unfolding plan, they cannot become fearful. You either have faith or fear. Not both. Things, they think, generate fear. The more things you have, the more you have to fear. Eventually, you're living your life for things. They celebrate life and death with the phrase, we love you and support you on your journey. There is no sorrow or mourning with death. Mutant means someone has lost or closed off ancient remembering and universal truths. It seems they have certain things in their life. They have gravy. That means they know the truth, but it's buried under thickening and spices of convenience, materialism, insecurity, and fear. And they have frosting. Frosting represents how they spend almost all of the seconds of their existence doing superficial, artificial, temporary, pleasant-tasting, nice-appearing projects, and spend very few actual seconds of their lives developing their eternal beingness. And they say, we don't judge the mutants. We pray for them and release ourselves. We pray they'll look closely at their actions, at their values, and learn before it is too late that all life is one. We pray they'll stop the destruction of the earth and of each other. We pray there are enough mutants on the brink of becoming real to change things. This is from the indigenous people in the bush that are, by the way, now destroyed because of all the fires that were deliberately set in Australia. There was nothing the real people could give the woman that she didn't already have, but she learned to accept, receive, and take from them. That is their gift. Their parting words were, go in peace with our thoughts for your protection. The next leg of her journey was being driven by a higher level, sharing what she learned 
was like casting pearls in front of swine. But more and more people are beginning to listen. Perhaps the world would be better if we forgot about discovering something new and concentrated on recovering our past. The tribe honors human invention. However, just like Gary says, it must be based on the phrase, if it is in the highest good for all people and all life everywhere. We have the knowledge to provide a means of self-expression, self-worth, shelter, and more for all people everywhere if we wish to do so. And then the final words were, the only way to pass a test is to take a test. Learn the difference between observing what is taking place and judging it. Everything is an opportunity for spiritual enrichment. It's a fabulous book. If you have the chance to read it, do so. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put it down. And these, those were just some of the core things that came from her understanding of these people. And I'm going to, I'm going to end with, with these two phrases that I found at the last anti-aging. One of them is from Eckhart Tolle, another amazing human being, if anyone's familiar with him. Um, I listen to his, his talks regularly. And basically, he says, you are here to enable the divine purpose of the universe to unfold. That is how important you are. You are here to enable the divine purpose of the universe to unfold. That is how important you are. So never, ever, ever minimize who you are or what you're doing on this planet. Everything happens right on time. You're here right the way you were supposed to be. There were dozens of other people that could have been here, but I could not allow them on the property. And that's just the way it is. So the people that are here, are, there's no mistake that this group is here now. If other people would have come in, I can assure you that you would not have had the results that you're all having here. And finally, I will say this. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness in the world. All things break and all things can be mended, not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. Thank you all at home. Thank you everyone here for being a part of this amazing journey and stay focused on the rest of your journey for the final month. Thank wow. you very much.